Well, again, I want to say a very Merry Christmas to everybody. And I thank you for supporting us and tuning in. I know none of this is exactly the way we planned it. Every one of you probably has a story to tell of changed plans and altered arrangements. We've all been watching all of the briefings and all of these types of things. But for just a couple of minutes, as we prepare to celebrate Christmas by remembering, I want to put it to you this way. What if we could own the fact and deal with the idea of what is the greatest miracle of all time? To answer that question, though, you might want to ask yourself, since this is the Christmas season, what does Christmas even mean? Or, if I was going to make it personal to you at home, with your families, what does Christmas mean to you? What are your traditions? What makes Christmas Christmas? Or how would you answer this question by your kids or loved ones or family, maybe the neighbor? What is Christmas all about? But as I said, how you answer that might be attached to what you think is the greatest miracle of all time. The world has a very funny fascination with miracles. For the men who are watching or maybe follow hockey with the junior hockey tournament about to start taking place in a couple of days, Maybe you remember all the way back to the 1980s in the Olympics when the United States finally beat their arch rival in Russia and Al Michaels at the very end of the game said, do you believe in miracles? Or even football expressions, believe it or not, around this time of the year, back a number of years ago, the Pittsburgh Steelers were playing a game and there was this uh, reception that was called the Immaculate Reception. We've had TV shows like Touched by an Angel. We've got movies that all celebrate or make fun of or even ponder the idea of miracles. So, miracles and Christmas. What does Christmas mean? And what's your view of miracles? I actually think your view of miracles might affect greatly your view of Christmas. I know this, it will greatly affect how you apply Christmas to your everyday life and to mine. I want to talk about tonight the greatest miracle of all time that made way for the greatest miracle of all time. Here we are. It's our second COVID Christmas. We have an in-person and online audience in the sense that I'm looking at my music team and a couple of support staff to make this work. And then all of you, as I look at a green dot about 60, 70 feet from me, to try and communicate. And I'm sure we thought we'd never be back here at this type of thing again. Maybe like me, you were optimistic and you thought, oh, by Christmas 2021, we'll be maskless. COVID would finally be in our rearview mirror and instead, we're still limited. We're still afraid. Still divided. Still anxious. Still wondering. 
For many of you, like me, we've got more questions than answers. And now, in just a few short days, 2022 will be, I thought, the year we'd go back to normal. 2022, I thought, would be the year of freedom. 2022, I thought, it would be overcoming instead of spreads before us. And now 2022 seems to be a year of more unknowns. How comes? How can this be? Will school be in person? How many more shots will we need? Who can we trust and believe? And how much more can we take? (laughs) And guess what? If you listen to Matt and Adam, that sounds a lot like it might have been the world of Mary and Joseph's day over 2,000 years ago. Where to turn? This young couple of scandal and gossip and controversy headed down to Bethlehem. Who to trust? How to survive? Who are my friends? What about my family back home? And ultimately, maybe they, like you and I, where is God? Who is God? Where, why am I here? What is my purpose? Where am I going? And what does all this even mean? Well, for friends and family, I want to invite you to go with me. Are you ready for this? Here's a Christmas passage. 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. And I know you're probably thinking, uh, Steve, you need to be going to Isaiah or Micah or Matthew or Luke. At the very least, go to Luke chapter 1 and 2. Come on. Tonight, it's Christmas. No, 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 no. Bear with me. Because for Christmas 2021, I believe that 1 John is not only going to help us, help us who are over 2,000 years removed from the actual events, because in 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 to 4, you actually hear the Apostle John writing to friends, maybe friends just like us, and he wants to explain the effects of Christmas. Notice what he says, that which was from the beginning. That which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning, now this is an interesting phrase, the word of life. And the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testify to it and proclaim it to you, the eternal life which was from the Father and that was made manifest to us. That which we have seen and heard, we proclaim also to you. Why? So that you too may have two things. May have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And here's the second thing. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Merry Christmas. See, John the Apostle, who's writing this letter, not the gospel, he's writing it to you and I, and he's actually saying, here's what Christmas means. That's the question I want to answer for us as we end 2021, because when we answer this question, what does Christmas mean? Here's what I propose. I think we'll find peace. We'll find our purpose. We will truly find hope under Bethlehem's skies. We can have rest. We can discover meaning. 
and peace and purpose and hope and rest and meaning are all found, are you ready for this? Not in a place, not in something you do. It's found in a person. The greatest miracle of all, making way for the greatest miracle of all, what does Christmas mean? Christmas in a word is Jesus. You see, Christmas is the miracle of salvation. Christmas is the miracle of salvation. This same John, the apostle who writes what he does in 1 John, writes this in John chapter 1. His version of the Christmas narrative is simply Jesus himself. He says in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In our passage, 1 John chapter 1, John says that Jesus is not only the Word, but now Jesus is life, and He's not just any life, He's eternal life. You see, if you notice something here tonight, in fact, I actually challenge you to read the Bible, Jesus never offers just eternal life. He offers Himself. He is eternal life. He comes as a baby to offer us Himself. You see, He is salvation, and He's doing this to lavish us with grace. And I'm going to say it over and over again. Only Jesus offers Himself. I'm old enough now to look back on my life remember when my parents brought me into church and exposed me to religion and Christianity. And I remember all of the things I wrestled with as a teenager, as a young adult. And here's the thing I've learned. As I've traveled the world, as I've read about it and studied it, as I went from a young man to a middle-aged man, I've discovered that every other religion in the world, every philosophy, every worldview can point you to peace, can try to offer you peace or hope. Some will even try to say, here's how you find nirvana or eternal life. But Jesus comes and says, I am here and I am life. I am eternal life. So friends and family, men and women, young and old, when you and I trust in Jesus, he offers us Himself. The matrix isn't right. Jesus doesn't offer you a red pill or a blue pill. Jesus doesn't offer you a set of rules or a list of conditions. It literally, quite simply, is come to me always and only, and I'll give you myself. And this might seem simple, but it's not. The entire Christmas series here at Calvary Baptist that we've been using is this book here. We've based it on Tim Keller's book called Hidden Christmas. And in this book, in this chapter, Keller talks about his experience as a pastor. And I have to be honest, it's one that I relate to very well. You see, in my 25 years as a pastor, people will say to me, I don't know what I believe, and I don't really care what you believe, but I don't think that matters anyway. I think what matters and what would bring a lot more peace to the world, it's only important that I'm a good person. As long as I don't hurt others, I want to live my life and be sure to be kind, and that's all that matters. The problem is, that's actually doctrine. That's actually 
a worldview. When you say all that matters is I hope that my good outweighs my bad or I hope I'm a good person or I hope that I don't hurt anybody, I want to live with everybody, a live and let live, you're actually saying you believe you've got to earn your way. You're saying I'm not perfect, but I believe I'll be good enough or I'll trust that I'm good enough or I do want a God, I just don't need a Savior. So... No matter who you are tonight, whether you embrace religion or you reject it, to not believe in Christ and Christmas is to actually put morals, as by the way, you define them, above and before God. So either, here are your options at the end of 2021. You're either creating a God you can agree with, or worse, you're making yourself God. And then let me ask you this, where does that leave you? Proud or scared? Anxiously hoping or hopelessly delusional? You have a great example of that in Herod the king. You'll never feel good enough or you'll angrily be trying to convince yourself and those around you that you are good enough. And let me ask this, how is that working out for you and me and the world for the last couple of thousand years, especially the last couple of years? But on this Christmas of 2021, there is another option. Look to Jesus. Because he's God in the flesh. It's the greatest miracle of all. Because when you look to Jesus, you can be and you will be and are only saved by Jesus. You have to realize Jesus is the most inclusive and yet exclusive offer to the entire world. Anyone, and I mean anyone and everyone, is invited to come to Jesus. I have never met the man or woman, the sinner that came to God who God didn't want. But you can only come to God through Jesus. You won't get there through your good works. You won't get there through your ideas or your morality. Jesus is the one who gives us our identity, which is in Him. It's in Him who loves us out of our insecurities. Only Jesus can say, I will forgive you and I'm going to restore you. So, literally, here's His offer. Uh, Bring me your failures Bring me your sin. Bring me your pain and your hurt and your questions and your doubts. Bring me everything. (laughs) And then he says, and here's what I'll do. I'll take all of that and I'll just give you me. That's the essence, my friends, of Matthew chapter 11. When Jesus says, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. Notice, I will give you rest, Jesus says. So Christmas is the miracle of the gospel. Christmas is the miracle of being able to know God. Notice this, in the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked on and have touched with our hands. Christmas means we can actually know God. You see, Christmas is not just stories about Jesus. Because if all Christmases are stories, if we actually and honestly believe here in 2021 that I can be saved by my efforts, if literally the worldview of the planet is let's just be good, 
let's be accepting and affirming, let's try hard, then we're nothing more than the Black Widow from the Marvel comics when she says, I've got a lot of blood in my journal and I need to get it all out. It's funny because Jesus says, no, bring me your journal because I came to shed my blood and I will wash your journal white as snow. You see, if Jesus is not God in the flesh, then all of these stories that Matt and Adam have read about are nothing more than the stuff of movies and inspiring books. But if we are saved by grace through Christ alone, then it's not about what you and I have done but about who Jesus is and what he has done. And Christmas, God becoming flesh, God living as a human being, Jesus dying on the cross, Jesus raising from the dead actually happened. (coughs) And by the way, they matter. Notice in our text, (coughs) excuse me, John wants you and I to know something, not hope, but to know. Look at what he says. We have seen him. We have touched him. We have heard him. This is the language of a courtroom. This is John saying, I swear Jesus is God. I know God. These aren't sentimental stories. This is not another comic hero. This is true. So if Christmas is nothing more than nostalgia and stories, then we're truly on our own. It really is up to us. Now be honest, if the sum total of your life is completely and utterly on you, and you are completely and utterly on your own, how does that make you feel, honestly? (laughs) But if Christmas is real, and if Christmas is true, then you know what? We have hope because we have a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So we can not only know about God, we can actually know Him and talk to Him and know He talks to us and we can trust Him and go to Him. This is what John says in verses 3 and 4. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you that you may have fellowship with us, which means you have fellowship with Him. See, here's a word for us all on this Christmas of 2021. John's basically saying, if you will just accept Jesus, then you can have communion with God. So when you're alone, or you're feeling afraid, or maybe over the last 48 or 72 hours you've been angry, maybe you're dealing with sickness and disease and it's robbing you, how many men and women have watched a loved one die, gotten that terrible diagnosis? How many marriages have heard those fateful words this year of, I'm leaving you? How many children have wandered off? How many relationships between parents and children have been estranged? How many siblings are not talking to each other? How many neighbors live next door to each other and don't even know each other's names? When the chaos of the world is taking its toll, who are you going to turn to? Who are you going to cry out to? Who are you going to lean on? But turn again. Think about this again. That's the difference between true Christianity and every other worldview, religion, and philosophy in the entire world. Now think about it. Eastern religions offer a God of force, but it's an impersonal one. You can try and merge with the force, but 
Star Wars gives us a look at that, but as I was reminded, after 11 movies, I'm not convinced. Many other philosophies offer a God who may be personal, but not intimate, and he's far away. But it's only Christmas. Only Christmas says God becomes flesh. And why? Because he is Emmanuel, God with us, to know us and identify with us. Jesus comes to know our hurt and pain. Have you been betrayed or abandoned? Do you feel like the world has just left you behind? Are you wondering about friends and belonging? Have you struggled and wrestled with addiction? Do you, are you a slave of your impulses, anger, or money, or lust, or pride, or whatever it is? Jesus came to know all of our hurt and pain and the things we face and deal with. Whoever you are out there, remember the old Christmas carol, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Do you know how privileged we are in 2021? Back in the Old Testament, Moses, he was desperate to see God. And God said, Moses, you can't see me. No one can see God and live. And then Jesus came. And now we can see God and hear from him. And we can have sweet communion and access to him. That's why the writer of Hebrews said, come boldly before his throne of grace. That's why that hymn says, bold I approach the throne of grace. Friends, you'll never know God by simply having a set of creeds or a list of general truths or even a little book of common prayers that mean nothing more than form. Because you and I have come to come to God's word. We've got to believe and trust and know. This is God talking to me. In God's word, we see his perfection and his love and his humility and his tenderness. We see his compassion and his patience. What Moses longed for, for us can be reality for anyone and everyone if you will come to Christmas. The greatest miracle of all time. See, the one thing we've learned about our world is a good man can't save us. We've even learned that a godly man can't save us. We've even learned that a God-like man can't save us. The Bible makes it clear, only the God-man can save us. And the birth of Jesus Christ means this. Hear me on this Christmas Eve. God refused to leave us alone. So he sent his son, Jesus, to save us from our sin, who would be Emmanuel, God, with us. And we weren't even expecting it. Many of us aren't even interested. None of us are involved in it. We didn't ask. We don't deserve. We can't help. We can't even imagine. And yet, Isaiah told us, unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Now, Look at the passage one more time at verse 4. He says, we want you to be able to have joy. Christmas means not only that we can know God, but Christmas is the miracle of joy in a world of sorrow. (laughs) This is, Christmas is the greatest miracle It's the greatest miracle that we need, not just because it's Christmas, it's what you and I need tonight, this Christmas, because Christmas means joy. 
You remember when the host of angels came to the shepherds? I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. And when John completes his opening of his letter, what is he saying? My joy comes from you having this joy. I want you to know what I know. Jesus came. He came to save us from our sin and to be with us, to love us, to make God known. He came to adopt us and to give us himself, which means if we're going to get Jesus, then it must mean you get his joy. Listen to Jesus in John chapter 16. I'm preaching through John chapter 16 at our church here at Calvary, and I can't wait to get to the next chapter, John chapter 16, verse 22. Listen to what Jesus says to his disciples. He says, so also you have sorrow now. Can I get a witness? Sorrow now. But he says, but I will see you again. And watch this. And your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. And until you have asked nothing, until now you have asked nothing in my name, ask and you will receive. Why? That your joy may be full. And then in the next chapter, in chapter 17, when he prays, listen to what he says in verse 13. He's praying to his Father and he says, but now I am coming to you. And these things I speak in the world. Why? That they, me and you, may have joy fulfilled in themselves. And by the way, this is not Hollywood sappiness and happiness. This is the stable of strength. It's where we lean when we face good times and bad. Let me see if I can illustrate it. I know that Jeff and Jennifer Piercy are out there with their family watching me at home and Maybe many of you don't know, but they have a home on, down on the battery. It's a beautiful home, and it's got some breathtaking scenery. And I've had the joy of being down there and being giving the tour, and it's an absolutely gorgeous home. Now, it's, it's hard to get to, and I don't know why anybody would want to live there, and especially have children and raise them, but uh, it is an absolutely beautiful home. But the one thing I noticed when I first went in, because I went in in the summertime, when I first went in, the main room was very warm, very humid. But as I went on the tour and I ventured down the stairs to the lower levels, it seemed to get cooling, almost refreshing. I almost literally felt like I could smell the salt air. And I wondered why. And then I could hear something dripping. And then I thought something bad. But then I was opened the door and I literally found out that this house is kind of bolted into the side of the Battery Mountain. And you could see water spewing forth and running down. And it actually created this steady sense of coolness and moisture down in the bottom levels of that home. What it means to have the joy of the Lord as your strength is because even though the heat may beat down on us, the chaos of life, the worries of the world, COVID-19 and Omicron, we are still anchored in Christ. There's a source of stability and strength and nourishment that feeds us. Jesus says he touched Jesus, God in the flesh, the Almighty, because a baby in Philippians 2, we are told that Jesus laid aside his throne to be laid in a manger. He laid aside his crown for a crown of thorns. He stepped off his throne and then hung on a cross. 
He literally became a baby. The creator of the universe faced the humiliation of dependence, of needing to be fed and changed and dressed and protected and taught. Jesus walked through life and bore the grief of loss and hurt. Joseph, his dad, likely died when Jesus was a teenager. But Jesus didn't come to be a place. Sorry, he didn't come to a palace. He came to a stable. His coronation was not with trumpet blasts, but with sheep bleeding. Jesus is lowly and meek and vulnerable and needy. Why? Because you and I are too. And that's why Christmas is both fascinating and yet rejected by most of the world. Because we look for a Savior who is all-powerful. We want a Savior who displays all His might. And all Jesus displays is meek and holy, gentle love and lowly obedience, even to death on a cross. An ordinary baby lived an ordinary life and spoke to and healed and died for ordinary people. And yet it's in the ordinary that we discover God. At the end of this book, Hidden Christmas, Tim, Ch- Tim Keller puts it so well. He talks about being a young pastor in a small town in Virginia, and there were a number of dilapidated homes and trailers surrounding our church, inhabited by people who were poor and who had many social and personal problems. He writes, occasionally, one person would say to me that it was wrong for our more middle-class church to hold its services in the midst of that neighborhood without reaching out to the residents. So one day, he says, a deacon in our church and I walked across our church's parking lot to visit a woman who had lived in a rented house. She was a single mom whose broken relationships with men had left her impoverished and depressed, living somewhat in disgrace, and in that conservative, traditional community, even more so. Raising her children with almost no help or support, so we sat down, had a long talk about the gospel and the glad tidings, and she responded with joy to the message. She actually trusted in Christ. Keller says, I came back to her about a week later, but when we sat down, she burst into tears. That week, she had called up her sister to tell her about her conversion, her conversation with me and about her new faith, and then her sister laughed at her. The woman said to Tim Keller, This is what my sister said. Let me get this straight. This preacher told you that a person like you could do all the foolish, immoral things that you have done all your life, and basically five minutes before you die, you can just repent and trust Jesus and be saved just like that? He told you that you don't have to live a really good life to go to heaven? And this is what her sister said. That's offensive. It's too simple. It's too easy. I'll never believe that, and you shouldn't either. Keller writes, this woman's sister thought that salvation had to be a great feat, accomplished by noble moral deeds. It couldn't be something you just asked for. The ordinariness of the gospel had offended her pride. Keller says, I told the weeping woman that her assurance and comfort were not unfounded. 
I walked her to the Bible and we studied until she saw clearly that Christ came in weakness and smallness to save not the proud, but those who admit that they are also weak and small and actually need a Savior. And he said immediately her joy returned. The ancient tidings of Christmas can still make glad, uh, sad people glad. You see, the Christian life begins not with fancy deeds and achievements, but with the most simple and ordinary act of humbly saying, Lord, I need you. So don't put off the ordinariness, thinking that that's too beneath you to find joy. As the old hymn says, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. So what does Christmas mean? It's the greatest miracle of all. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Can I ask you on this Christmas Eve, do you believe that? Because Christmas means we can be saved. Christmas means you and me, we can know God. And Christmas means in the midst of all this junk and disappointment and struggle, we can have joy because Christmas is Jesus. Do you know him? If you've ever wondered how far the Lord would go to make you his own, (laughs) are you ready? Look down into the manger and then look up onto the cross and then lift your eyes to heaven because the baby is our Savior and the Savior is our Lord who now lives to give us himself so we can know him. And joy. And you and I can know that on this holy, silent night. So, whoever you are and wherever you are out there, if you don't know Jesus, cry out to Him. Write a message in that YouTube channel, that Facebook channel. Find someone that can tell you about the joy of having. Jesus. And for us as a church, for us as three churches in St. John's and Kilbride and downtown, hey church, will we be about Christ this Christmas? Will we find the joy of the Lord as our strength and then give it away? Because that's the meaning of of Christmas. The greatest miracle of all time, God became flesh, prepares the way for the greatest miracle of all time. Christ would atone for our sin and rise from the dead. I don't know about you, but that's a Christmas worth getting excited for. Let's pray. Oh, Father God, thank you for this medium in the midst of all this uncertainty and chaos that we can Be so thankful and excited that God became flesh to offer himself to us. And now, Lord, as we finish up this time, as we turn out some lights and we light some candles, Lord, as we prepare to have some more food, probably do some Zoom calls or FaceTime, 
make some phone calls or send text messages. Whether we gather around together as individuals or as couples, as families, Lord, as we go to bed early and wonder what the days will bring, I pray that we will remember that on a silent night, angels announced your birth and shepherds came and worshipped you and the world was shocked to know that God had become flesh to offer us the greatest miracle and hope of all time, that we could know you and know our sins are forgiven and dealt with. We could be right with you and call you Father, and we can live forever with you in glory. Thank you, Jesus, for that is truly a Merry Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.